your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am indeed your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing and want to catch up on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is completely free to you, and make sure you'll never miss a brand new episode, and you'll also be able to catch up on all the previous episodes you might have missed out on. So for tonight's episode, uh, I am going to talk about the game against the uh, the Montreal Canadiens for the Jets, which, yeah... Um, if you watch this one, I am very sorry. You actually stayed up to watch a rather poor effort. I, I guess it's an earlier game compared to what we're used to with the Jets playing, you know, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. my time. But let's talk about the uh, the Jets in this 7 p.m. game and what exactly went wrong after what I thought was a pretty okay start. Coming into the first period, the Jets actually looked pretty good. I felt like they were getting to the slot. They were creating really high danger chances. The first and second lines were rolling. The third line was intercepting pucks in the neutral zone and creating turnovers. It generally seemed like Winnipeg was actually controlling a lot of the play. It felt like Montreal was a step slower and they really weren't able to create as many uh, counters and offensive rushes because the Jets just kept hitting them inside the neutral zone and shutting them down inside their own defensive zone. And then once they were actually able to exit and gain zone entry into Winnipeg's part of the ice, they really weren't able to get many great scoring chances. The Jets blocked a lot of shots, clogged up key passing lanes, and generally kept Montreal away from the dangerous parts of the slot. There was quite a bit to like, and I felt like the top couple of lines were doing pretty well. They were getting a lot of really great looks. There were some great passing sequences. A couple of crucial blocks, you know, kept the Jets from scoring on what would have been some great prime scoring chances, and I felt like the Jets in general just were playing like they were in the previous game where they outplayed Montreal. As is often the case with uh, the Jets, though, even when they're playing well, they are always two steps from disaster somehow. And unfortunately, this was another sequence where the Jets kind of like, they got a little bit unlucky, I'm going to be honest. Connor Hellebuck came out of his net, which is always a really risky situation, especially when he's playing the puck, right? But this one was actually a deflection off the boards, one of the corners boards, I believe, and it just popped out back into the slot. Hellebuck is still behind his own net because he feels like the puck is going to roll around to him and so that he can stop it and then play it out for a pass, but finds out rather abruptly that in fact the puck never reaches him and instead finds Bolu in the slot alone, and Bolu actually kind of fumbles the puck because he doesn't expect it to roll to him, and Montreal's forward Josh Anderson seizes upon the puck and scores on basically an empty net. Bit of a clown car sequence, but it's one of those things where you just sort of shake your head and you're like, okay, yeah, well, you know, just shake it off, get back to it, and the Jets will be fine. I thought that they had already had a really good first period, they were continuing to play well, and even after the really bad goal against, they seemed like they were up for it. I mean, they were trying to respond on a number of other shifts, the top line was rolling, I felt like the second line, barring Kyle Connor, had a couple of really good offensive sequences. I mean, it seemed like things were going to go okay, and then, of course, you know, the Jets really failed to score and, uh, you know, took a one nothing deficit into the, the intermission period, but I felt like, overall, the Jets were doing okay. This felt like a game that was within reach. It felt like the Jets could come back at any moment. And I wasn't all that nervous. I have to say that as far as, like, standout performances are concerned, I thought that uh, Paul Stastny looked pretty sharp. I thought, uh, you know, the top line in general was clicking. 
Wheeler connected on a few good passing opportunities. In general, the Jets were just sort of hemming uh, the opposing team inside their own defensive zone and really making a lot of great slot chances, which is not something that they're always known for. So, you know, I, I guess I expected a lot better. And what followed this period was, wow, in a word, a collapse. It was just a really bad situation. Winnipeg kind of fell apart. And I don't even know how you can take away positives from this game other than that it ended. At least from the first period, though, we did see some nice play from uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I felt like in the center role, he actually was a little bit more effective. I've contended that the second line does need to be changed, and I don't think it's because Dubois should be moved out of center necessarily, as much as it is I feel like you need to find a different left winger over Kyle Connor. I like Kyle's ability to score goals a lot. It's obviously very helpful, and he's one of the best finishers and one-on-one matchup men in the league, but when it comes to a lot of other stuff in his game, he has some notable weaknesses that really hold him back from that next level of greatness and I feel like the lack of improvisation at times and the struggles he has with occasionally being on the same pages as his teammates, often in the defensive zone more so than the offensive zone, but still an issue in both ends, it really does kind of make me wonder where you have to use him. I feel like the third line really does need that scoring boost, and if you have somebody like Lowry and Appleton on your supporting flanks, then it makes it a lot easier to do what Kyle Connor does with a lot less consequence. We also know Kyle is an amazing poacher, so if you have guys who can essentially create havoc on the forecheck and really drive towards the net, then let Connor work with those guys. Obviously, I know the uh, the sentiment is always to play skill with skill, and most often that is true, but I feel like with a player like Kyle, who really needs a lot more support than most other players, you might have to kind of grin and bear it and put him with some players who are a little bit more of the grittier, grindier, forechecking types that can create space through more physicality and just general chaos making. Aside from that, the other standout performances continue to be uh, pretty good games and, and shifts from Matthew Perot. Other than a, a rough penalty that he took with a like a high sticking or something, he's been a nice little buzz all around the net, something that I'm very keen to see. And I also will give praise to Neil Pionk, who uh, actually led the Jets in on-ice differentials tonight. Not saying much just because the Jets kind of got pulverized, but you know, overall, Neil Pionk continues to be a very solid top-four defender and, and definitely Winnipeg's best skater on the blue line. And it's starting to make me wonder what exactly the long-term situation with him is because I feel like if you have a choice between him and Josh Morrissey, I gotta take Pionk right now. I feel like Neil continues to show development and growth. And while he's likely never to reach that top-pairing defender role, I feel like as a really good second-pairing offensive defender with some improving defensive acumen, not great defensive acumen, mind you, but good enough, then I feel like you should put the money there and try and figure out what to do with Morrissey. Because, I, you know, the more I watch Morrissey struggle out there, the, the more I wonder if there's actually a way to get him back on track. I don't know if just adjusting his partners is going to be the fix, because he just genuinely seems bad now. I could understand if these were struggles where it's just playing with poor defensive partners, and it is true that Morrissey doesn't really have many guys to work with, but the things he struggles with aren't on account of his partner so much as it is his own inability to make a couple of simple reads, or win physical battles, or handle the puck cleanly, or take good shots. I mean, these are all fundamental things that have seemingly broken with him. There is some stuff where it's a little bit of usage, but I just, I don't really understand what's going on with him, and I, I don't know if it's a situation where, you know, an off-season of rest and recuperation, or another defensive partner is going to fix it, because the laundry list of issues with him is so long that I feel like it's not really something you can actually fix. I miss the days of Josh when he played with Truba because he looked like a completely different skater out there. Now he just seems like he's constantly overwhelmed, and it's pretty sad to see because there was a time when I thought Morrissey really was one of the best left-handed defenders in the league, and now it just looks like he's constantly swimming on every shift. Unfortunately, things only got swimmier for both the Jets and Morrissey tonight, so in just a moment we'll take a look at what exactly transpired in the, the following periods. I don't even know if it's worth talking about, but hey, the folks deserve to know the truth. 
or something like it. Before we dive into the nitty-gritty of this game, though, I did want to tell you a little bit more about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it's hard to know the safest and most reliable places to do it. They might not even cover the same sports you love and want to bet on. That's why BetOnline.ag has your back. They're the fastest and easiest ways to get bets on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. They've even got spreads and more for all the favorite sports you love outside of the U.S., including international soccer, tennis, and so much more. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. BetOnline also features all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. Getting started is super easy. Go to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account today, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Before we start the uh, the descent into Winnipeg Jets madness, I did want to let you know about why Locked on Today needs to be in your podcast rotation. We're covering everything you need to know about the Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And now begins the uh, the slow descent into madness, because the second period on was where the Jets just sort of fell apart. I felt like the Jets in the first period had actually played competitively, and despite the really silly goal against, I was pretty okay with the performance overall. And then the Jets conceded a second goal to Tyler Toffoli, this one off of an icing from Tucker Pullman, and then Tucker Pullman on this sequence turns the puck over on a really bad pass, and Toffoli of course capitalizes, this is where things start to fall apart. After this point, the Jets basically just stopped playing, and it seemed like they totally shut down. Their defensive coverages were extremely sloppy, the forwards really weren't creating any offensive pressure, and it started towards the first few minutes of the period, even before the goal against. But of course, it just got worse after Toffoli scored, because then Montreal added like three or four more goals. Gallagher scored twice, Armia scored as well, and then, you know, into the third period, Montreal had an even bigger run, but in the second period... Yeah, uh, so the Jets, I just feel like they had like a psychological breakdown. I don't know what exactly happens in these games where you have a couple of unlucky goals and all of a sudden everything falls apart, but it just feels like the Jets really struggle with this. I know it can be demoralizing to play well and concede, but it seems like whenever the Jets do this, you know, there's a couple of different storylines that happen. Either Winnipeg rallies very quickly and they're able to stabilize the situation, grab a quick goal back, and everything is smooth sailing. The other version of the Jets is they basically just shut down and can't do anything right, including breakout passes, skating up the ice with possession, zone clearances, zone entries, any any like fundamental part of the game just sort of breaks down. And unfortunately, there were a couple of key culprits tonight. Kyle Connor had some really bad missed defensive coverages where he just wasn't anywhere close to where he was supposed to be, and it left his defensive partners really exposed. And on at least one of those occasions, the guy left, you know, holding the bag essentially was Nathan Bolu, and Bolu had a horrific night, to be honest. He and DeMello got plastered. And like, we know that DeMello typically is a, a pretty okay defensive valve, especially on that third or second pairing whenever he's needed, but you know, paired with Bolu, it's just a real mess because Nathan really struggles with just about everything. One of the earlier goals where he had to try and block the empty net after Hellebuck vacated it, that one's not on him. But the other goals, you know, he was like a minus four on the night. I feel like a lot of the other ones he had a a direct role in, and he was just put in so many high leverage situations, especially after the Jets had just conceded. Then he goes out on another shift where the Jets have to try and stop the bleeding, and again, the Jets concede. 
Bolu's value to this roster right now is being eligible to, to expose to, you know, the Seattle Kraken. Aside from that, he's not really capable of playing at even strength. His penalty killing is almost non-existent, and, you know, a lot of times he just doesn't really have any defensive awareness. It's a continuing problem. We sort of knew it was there a, a couple of seasons ago, but it seems like it's gotten really bad now. I thought, like I've said in previous podcasts, that he could be like a 7th D, but I, I don't even know if he's really capable of that now. I really think the Jets need to, to unbench Logan Stanley and put Beaulieu in the press box. You know, you're, you're letting one of your more talented kids rot on the bench, and I don't really understand why. Stanley, in limited minutes, handled it pretty well. He seemed to be very comfortable for the most part, as long as he didn't have to do too, too much. And sure, his shooting accuracy could be uh, notably better because he just constantly slaps it wide, but, you know, that's whatever. As far as his, like, defensive zone work is concerned, for the most part, as long as he didn't really have to make any super complicated plays, he was fine. I'll put it this way, if you have to give me a choice between watching Logan Stanley struggle with the same amount of minutes that Nate Bowie gets, I would rather see Stanley struggle because I feel like this is more crucial for him developing as a young NHL prospect. And Stanley's kind of getting closer to the age where he's not really a prospect. He needs to be an active defender in this NHL. Let him get ice time because he's probably not going to improve or change much if he goes back to the moose. At this point, the kid's got to have NHL minutes, and I don't really understand what the reluctance there is. We're watching Bolu struggle game in and game out, and I feel like at this point, if you don't want to make that change, then there's no real point in having any of these prospects sit on the, the taxi squad. The, you know, the Veselainen and Gustafson demotions were definitely overdue, and I feel like if you're just going to have Stanley sitting there as well, I don't really know what the point is. You might as well just find some retiree out there, sign him to a minimum contract, and put him on the squad instead, because it feels like Stanley's being wasted. It's kind of crazy to feel like, you know, at this point, Logan Stanley has to get inserted into the lineup to improve things because that's where the Jets are at. There are a few other changes that I would like to see the team make over the next couple of games because up next is the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I feel like the Jets, after this kind of performance, I expect a much better showing in their next game. But by the same token, the Leafs are a pretty dangerous squad. And the way that they play is quite dangerous to how the Jets defend. You know, the, the crossing puck movement, the really good passing and distribution, the great vision and heads-up plays that Toronto is capable of making inside the offensive zone, those all very much concern me. The Leafs may have lost tonight against the Vancouver Canucks in pretty funny fashion, but by the same token, that doesn't mean you can take them lightly. This is a really dangerous squad. They've got incredibly good scores, especially in the top six, and their third and fourth line players possess quite a bit of skill and quite a bit of goal-scoring ability. We've seen like a renaissance year from Jason Spezza in the role that he's been assigned alongside Nick Patan. Outside of this division, I'm not really sure the Leafs stack up quite as well against some of the top contenders like Vegas and Colorado, but by the same token, you can't take them lightly again. This is a team that can hurt you very quickly. So in just a minute, we'll talk about some changes that I'd like to see upcoming for the Maple Leaf series and beyond, and hopefully Winnipeg will actually follow suit. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I suppose it is time to try and close out with some thoughts about the Jets as they head into another series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. After this really bad blowout loss to the Habs, look, there are some things that do need to change. I don't think the Jets should throw everything into the fire, and Paul Maurice, um, per Ken Weeb, was actually quoted as having said that he didn't change anything because he didn't really feel like there was anywhere to go as far as like his old-fashioned line blender and, and all that sort of fun stuff, especially when they, they get into these situations where everything kind of falls apart. So, for the most part, I do think that not changing things is probably makes the most sense, especially in the overall scheme of things, but here are where there should be a couple of adjustments. For one thing, bring Logan Stanley back in. Stanley definitely needs ice time, and I feel like he'll be an improvement over Bolu, especially alongside Dylan DeMello. You've got two guys who can reasonably exit their own zone. Uh, you know, Stanley's a big kid. He can be decently strong on the puck. 
brings a, a nice hard shot. It's not really something where I, th- I think his game is overly complicated or really showy and flashy. He just does a lot of fundamental stuff well enough to be useful. And DeMello will back him up as that really good safety valve. And I, f- I feel like Dylan just needs somebody who isn't bowl you, you know, two steps from disaster on every shift. Bring the big kid in and let him play. And then the other uh, shift I would probably think about making is that Kyle Connor does probably need to be knocked off the second line. I'd move him to like the third line, not because he, he can't score in the top six, but because given his strengths and weaknesses on this roster, I feel like he's better suited to play with some more defensively minded centers who can also kind of create space and, and knock around the puck a little bit, but still need that finisher on their line to actually convert on those chances. Right now, the third line with Cop, Lowry, and Appleton is almost a bit too much focused on, on crashing the net, transitioning the puck, and defending really well because the line itself can't really create offense. The guys on this line do get in, into the right spaces, but they don't really have the finesse and skill sets to actually make the most of those opportunities. So if you put Kyle Connor there, I think it works out. And then I'd think about promoting uh, Matthew Perot up onto like the second line alongside Dubois and Ehlers. I feel like Perot, Dubois, Ehlers would be a great second line with how Perot has been scoring and how he's really smart at understanding space. You give him somebody who's like a really big physical center and another guy like Ehlers who's really tricky in the wings. That line could do really well. You know, the first line is fine as is they've been mostly doing well you know tonight not so great but for the most part the other games that Stastny, Shifley, and Wheeler have played together mostly okay I feel like that line is fine to stay as is the second line though you know think about that left wing spot a little bit I also wouldn't mind seeing Cop or Appleton or something there preferably not playing a guy on his off wing but if the Jets have to do it it's whatever and then you can also take a look at bringing Harkins back in for like Nate Thompson or something I don't love Harkins as a center I probably wouldn't use him there Maybe you demote Lowry or something to that fourth line and use him as the fourth line center to really give that uh, that extra bit of defensive presence alongside, you know, Harkins and Lewis. As far as other adjustments that need to be made, Morrissey has to be taken off the first power play unit. I know that Neil Pionk's passing on the power play isn't exactly super fast, but it's clear that Morrissey's just not really equipped to be a point shooter. His slap shots from the point and his wristers aren't really effective, they don't get through traffic, and oftentimes the goalie seems to read him the whole way, and there's just not a whole lot of strength on the release, so I wouldn't mind having that changed up because I feel like right now Morrissey, he's really struggling and it's not really working on the power play either. Put him in a situation that's a little bit more favorable to his skill sets. What that situation is, I don't know right now, to be honest. I don't know what Morrissey is is good or, or bad at now, because it seems like he's bad at just about everything, and there aren't many things he's capable of handling effectively. He probably does need to have his minutes cut back for a bit, but of course the Jets won't do that because he's their lead number one star defender in their eyes, so they have to play him a little bit differently. Now, it is it is good that Forbort and Pionk do tend to get the most ice time among the Jets' D, but... Even now, Forbord is starting to struggle, so I feel like maybe his vulnerabilities are starting to get exposed against some of these teams that have really fast counters. And yet, Pionk continues to excel, so I don't know what you do with that. I think Forbort Pionk is probably fine to stay as is as well. You've just really got to figure out that third pairing with Bolu because every time Nate steps on the ice, it's just it's a really bad situation for the Jets. I hate to say it, but Bolu just doesn't really bring a whole lot other than that grit and fighting spirit that you'd like everyone to have. And I, I know that Nate will always stick up for his teammates, but as far as the on-ice performance is concerned, it's just not there right now. And you can tell that he's frustrated himself. A lot of stuff just seems to not really be working and coming off for him. And he he definitely has that body language and visible frustration that comes along with somebody who's not really happy with his own performance. Let him get some games off, rest and recuperate. Maybe the rest will do him good and maybe he'll actually be capable of doing third pairing duties when he comes back. So I, I feel like the rest would help. The Jets definitely need to get Logan Stanley ice time, move Connor around. 
Those are probably the biggest changes you can make right now. Let me know what you would do as a, uh, a fake general manager or head coach of the Jets, what moves you might make in anticipation of facing the Leafs, and be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. As we head into this week, I'll be sure to have as many game recaps as possible so you'll always know what exactly transpires. Hopefully good stuff for the Jets, but we know that that's not always the case with this team. You'll just have to listen to find out, though. Before you log off for tonight's show, though, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!